Well, all right, happy 2022! <laughs> hey, anybody want one of these? How do I look? Pretty good? <laughs> good to see you guys. Welcome to North Point Church. Want to welcome you to Vision Weekend at North Point Vision Sunday. We're just so excited that you're here as uh, today we're concluding a series that we have called They Are you remember, we've been talking about it all month, and what we've been talking about is life change. And we have excitedly been looking at key figures of the Bible, specifically characters whose names end with, like Zakee and Nicodem, Lazar. Of course, we also looked at Titus, and uh, they're a lot like us. Because these are people in desperate need of change. I mean, you just go through the Bible. It's one of the things I love about reading the Bible. You look at how they needed change. Abraham was a liar. He needed a change. Elijah was suicidal. He needed a change. Joseph was abused. Job was bankrupt. Anybody here ever have to deal with that? Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid, a coward. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. You know, if you just go through the scripture, and I'm just naming a few of them, you will see that all of the heroes of faith were people that needed God's help, that struggled through things. Go to the New Testament. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Go back to the Old Testament. You'll see that Noah was drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. David's a murderer and an adulterer. Jonah runs from God. Naomi is a widow. Come on, can anybody relate to anything that I'm saying? Zacchaeus was short like some of us. The disciples fell asleep at Jesus' greatest time of need. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, hunted down Christians and killed them because he thought that was the right thing until God created a change. He went from Saul to Paul. Now, here's the truth, guys. God uses flawed people to share hope to a flawed world. Is that right? In fact, speaking of flawed, I want to introduce you to somebody that's flawed around here. Take a look at this guy. Everybody say hi to Will Russell. There he is. And boy, you want to talk about a deeply flawed dude. There he is right there. <laughs> we do love him. He's good. In fact, let's show you another picture. Uh, take a look at this next one. This is he with his family. And you see there, isn't that great? That's a picture of Megan and Rosie. Yeah, let's hear it for him. They're a great, great looking family. Um, Megan and Rose, and you want to talk about life change. Listen, this guy, if you know his story, this guy was sitting, back in 2012, I think, he was sitting on the wall of the north side of our campus, right on Palo Alto there, and he was there watching people come to church smoking pot. And he's just sitting there, cynical about God, cynical at church. Finally, he says, and I quote him, he said, I had had enough of scraping rock bottom. I was feeling insane, and I heard the worship music playing, and I looked up and saw the cross. God grabbed and flooded my heart, and he came to church, and Jesus radically transformed his life. In fact, guys, I am proud to announce that he has just taken the lead role over our Celebrate Recovery ministry as... 
as our minister to celebrate recovery. And uh, we're excited. We're excited about him growing and learning, eventually becoming a part of our pastoral team here. You can see our former staffers, Mike and Melissa, their pictures are coming up here. They used to run our Celebrate Recovery ministry. Let's hear it for them. In fact, I, if you hadn't met them personally, I just wanted to introduce them to you. I'm going to get the new dog and the old dog out here. You guys, come on out. Let's hear it for these guys. <laughs> now, this is really cool because, you know, at North Point, we are all about the purposes of God. We're going to talk about that. And our pastors are organized by purpose. And Mike has now taken a role where he really oversees all of the adult ministry of our church, all the ministries, including Celebrate Recovery. And Will is handling Celebrate Recovery. He passed the baton. So uh, anything you want to say, old dog? I, I just want to, <laughs> old dog. <laughs> I just want to say, hey, here's my new trick. <laughs> Um, you guys, I am, I'm so excited about what's going to happen at North Point in 2022 and especially what's going to happen at Celebrate Recovery in 2022 and beyond because this is a dynamic young man right here. We've been working together for at least a couple years now side by side. He's ready to go. You guys should come and see Wednesday night at 630 sometime and listen to this guy speak. Right on. Now, young pup. <laughs> Any, anything you want to say sorry I'm just yeah <laughs> man I just want to say good morning to you all and I am just so so grateful just to be here with you guys uh, my beautiful wife Megan is over there to your guys' left hand side <laughs> the better and, half. yeah the better half and I couldn't do it without her support uh, our daughter our family we all love to serve at Celebrate Recovery and I just want to say that man we are so excited just to see what God is going to do through Celebrate Recovery through 2022 and going forward. We're just so, so grateful to be able to, to be here. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart from when I walked in this church for the very first time that I have nothing but uh, experienced love, support, encouragement, and you guys' continual prayers. So thank you guys. I love you and I look forward to what's to come. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Jesus has changed his life. He just donned the doors one day and God grabbed a hold of him. Guys, listen. One of the great sensational truths of the Christian message is you can change. Turn to somebody and say, I can change. Now the reason you can change is because of God's work within you. In fact, watch this. I like how First uh, Peter puts it. Notice this scripture coming up on the screen. It says, God's divine power has given us, us, there it is, everything we need for, and this power was given to us through the knowledge of Jesus, the one who called us by his own glory and integrity. Now, listen, this is what this means. What this means is, the Christian life is not about, you know, you get some inspiration or you just get a new philosophy in life. No, no, no. What makes you a Christian is, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ flows into your life and it changes you. And he changes us and so we begin to live for him. And guys, I'm gonna tell you, all changes for Jesus. All changes for Jesus. Now, to illustrate this, I want to take you where Jesus makes a prayer about us. And it is the longest prayer by Jesus. We're gonna read just portions of it and see what we can learn. Here we go. It says, 
Jesus looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that he may, what? Glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who entrust themselves to Jesus. He says to those you have given me. Now this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And I gave them the words, referring to his disciples, that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I had come from you. He says, I'm coming to you now. See, Jesus is praying this prayer just before he goes to the cross. He's praying this. So he says, Father, I'm going to you now. I'm coming to you. I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly, what? Sanctified. Now notice this. Notice this. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That means you too. Right there, you're getting a sneak peek into Jesus' prayer diary, and he's praying specifically for you and me. He says that all of them might be one. Father, just as you were in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. He's talking about you, by the way. I have given them the glory that you gave me in them and you in me. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as I even as you have loved me. Now, what Jesus is saying here is that essentially, we ought to be doing the things that Jesus did. As the Father empowered him, he empowers us. In other words, we've got a mission. He says, again, look at it real closely, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. In other words, Jesus Christ wants to change your life so that you can participate in changing the lives of others. You go from life change to life changer. Let me say that again. You are to go from life change to life changer, and you can. You can do that. This is, by the way, what baptism is all about. I hope we baptize somebody here today. Baptism is all about this. Think about it. When you see somebody being baptized, what's happening in their life? They're going under the water, symbolic of a death. They're saying, Lord, I've died to my old life, and now I'm living a new, resurrected life after you. It's symbolic of a new covenant heart change. And it says, God, I want you to use me. God, I've had a God quake. I know that you're real, and it's led me to a self quake that I know I need you, and now I want to have a world quake. I want to change the world. See, this is what happens. This is what baptism is about. And watch this. Let's go on in the scripture. He says, as, as you sent 
me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And he says, I say these things so that they might have the full measure of my joy within them. Now, you might underline that phrase in your notes, that you might have the full measure of joy. Because what does that mean? Jesus is saying, you guys got to get this. This is amazing stuff. Jesus is saying here that your fullest possible life is a life with a mission. Write that down. If you want to have the fullness of joy, you will take on his mission. That's why he says these things. Jesus is saying, I know the secret to your happiness. I know the secret to joy. I say these things so that you would have the full measure of my joy within you. You want to know how life is supposed to be lived? Do what I did. You've got a mission. This is why the Apostle Paul would later write to the church, check this out, and he said it this way. Ephesians chapter 4, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge who? Us, you, us, all of us. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received, that you would have the fullest possible human life and live up to the calling of God. Who wants that? I do too. I hope you want that. I want to share with you a testimony a woman uh, shared with me just a few weeks ago on the patio. She began to share how Jesus came into her life and changed her life. Her name is Ryan. She's a good friend. Just take a look at this. Watch this. My name is Ryan, and this is the story of how I became a new creation in Christ. I came to know Christ between my sophomore and freshman year in the middle of the biggest storm I probably had ever known. I had already attempted to take my life twice at that point, the second time gaining attention and forcing mandated counseling that was not helpful. and. I was headed toward self-destruction. If it wasn't going to be in an attempt on my life, I was going to hop on a train and head south and whatever happened to me happened because I had no self-confidence, no self-worth. So I go to a summer camp and I remember sitting on a beach because it's at a houseboat trip on the Delta and the Young Life pastor is talking about all kinds of things. I mean, I knew who God was and so I was just at that point I didn't think he really cared who I was. And then the pastor said something that really shook me from that empty trance. He said that God wanted a personal relationship with me and that he wanted to help me. And I thought, me? It just, it resonated. And so right there, sitting in a fetal position on the ground at a Young Life camp, I prayed and accepted Christ into my heart. And then I went home and life wasn't different. I was depressed. I was engaging in dangerous behaviors that continued to leave wounds, that continued to affirm that I was a victim, that I really didn't deserve to be loved, that life would really be better off if I wasn't in it. Except that there was this little urge in me that I really needed to get help. and. I'd already tried counseling, yet I still felt led towards the school psychologist because there was something in me that just felt like he could help. And the first thing he did when he got me in his office is he had me sign 
a no harm agreement because he knew what had happened the year before. And that no harm agreement was simply saying that if I felt like I got to a spot where I was contemplating taking my life, that I would either call the suicide hotline or I would call him. He put down the number for the suicide hotline and he put down his phone number. And for me, that resonated as this, another beacon of hope. Someone cared. And from an unlikely source, I wasn't expecting that. Otherwise, life continued on the same, but now I was meeting with him. And in those meetings, there was a part of me that wanted to heal, that just wanted to get through this depression and this debilitating, suffocating way of thinking and self-destruction. But there was a larger part of me that just wanted to prove to myself how worthless I was. And so for every step I'd take towards healing, I'd take two steps towards how can I engage in some behavior or some decision that will confirm for me that I am worthless. And then I started to change. I was attending church youth group, although still at a very surface level. I had a group of friends that were Christian friends, this group of girls that accepted me, even though I still felt not like myself, not really worthy of friends. They were always so loving to me. And I had this school psychologist who continued to meet with this mess and that hope that Jesus started in me continued to grow. I wanted to live. It wasn't perfect. And there were still lots and lots of moments where healing took a back seat because it was scary. Honestly, I thought a lot of it was just chance and luck that things were going right. And it wasn't until I started to really dive into God's Word and understand what He, His plan was, I started to see past who I had thought I was, who the enemy had convinced me I was, to who Christ saw me as. A woman that is loved, a woman that is redeemed, a woman who is healed and forgiven. He taught me that I had to forgive myself, even though he'd already forgiven me. Amen. Boy, I, I pray that for you. I pray that, guys, as you yield yourself to Jesus Christ, as you begin to get into his words and allow him to speak into you the truth of who you really are, that you'll allow him just to change you. Now, what's our mission, by the way? What's North Point's mission? What are we all about? There's a few things I want to say to you this morning before we're done. And I just want you to write these down because they are critical to who we are as a church and where we're going. So write these down. Number one, our mission is that the world would become convinced of Jesus. Write that down. We want the world to be convinced of Jesus. And so we're going after it. We're making appeals to people to come to know Jesus all the time. It's what we live for. By the way, there are five purposes that God made you for. Do you know that? We talk about them all the time around here at North Point. The five functions or the purposes of the church. The church is you. The church is not an organization. It's an organism. It's a person. It's people. 
And God says, I've called you to live for five distinctive things. God says, you were planned for my pleasure, so I've made you to worship me. You were to devote your life to a life of worship. He says, I made you for fellowship. You were formed for God's family. God's family is going to last longer than your earthly family. Your brothers and sisters in the church, you're going to have as brothers and sisters longer than you'll have as an earthly family. You understand that? It's an amazing thing. He says, you were formed for the church. Discipleship, you were created to become just like Jesus, that you would begin to grow and be who he is. You were also shaped for serving God and serving others. Jesus said, you follow my example, and I came not to be served, but I came to serve. And then the Bible says, you were made for a mission. Now, guys, I'm going to say this to you. All of these five purposes are going to go into eternity. They are going to last forever except for one of them. The only purpose that is not going to last forever is this one. This one has a time limit. It's either your lifetime or it's the second coming of Jesus Christ that he promises to come. But I'm telling you, it's on a time limit. We will not do that in heaven. So Jesus looks at his followers and he says, look at this. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. It's on you. It's on me to share the gospel. Listen to me. God has no plan B. When he rose again, the disciples didn't look at each other and go, okay, well, what was plan B? He depended on us? Yeah, he depended on you. You're it. And look what the scripture says. It says our job, notice this, is that we try and do what? We try and persuade men. That's our job as Christians. In fact, notice this. It says there, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they've come to Jesus. He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. They've been changed. But notice it says, this is from God who reconciled us through himself to Christ. And notice, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's our job that we would reconcile others Again, I'll go back to the Apostle Paul. Come on, let's read it together. Go to this next scripture for me, if you would. It says in Ephesians, let's read it. Here we go. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, come on, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Now, friends, a lot of people, they don't like this. They don't like to think that they're on a mission and that they're supposed to persuade men to be convinced of Jesus because there is a belief that goes like this. People say this. They say, you know, one of the things I hate about Christianity, I like Christianity, it's nice, but you all try to convert people. That's what they say. And when you, and a lot of Christians say this too. I don't like that Christians try and convert people. You may know, you may think that today, sit it here. Because you think that trying to convert people, it's like you're superior to them and you shouldn't do that. But guys, I just beg you to look at this. If a person who thought they were dying takes medicine and they're cured, they're going to run out into the street and they're going to try and tell everybody, hey, this medicine has cured me. Everybody's sick and they're going to find everybody who's sick and they're going to say, there is a medicine. You take it, you'll be cured. Now I'm going to ask you, is that a sense of superiority? No. It is a responsibility. Scripture says that our job is, notice this one, we demolish arguments and every pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God. Friends, we are in a war, but our warfare is waged with words and heart. 
and we commit ourselves to the communication of the gospel and convincing people that Jesus is the one. By the way, that's why we ask you all January long to be thinking about this year, who's your one? Who's the one person that you are gonna go after to see, to see them convinced of Jesus Christ? Who's that person at your workplace? Who's the person that you do hobby with? Who's the person that lives in your neighborhood that you could go after? Guys, you've got to be praying this. Jesus said, I've sent you into the world. Guys, do you know how much Jesus loves the world? This much. He stretched out his arms willingly and made a sacrifice on the cross so that you would be convinced. Now I just ask you, what are you willing to do? If you've got the medicine, you've got the cure, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to try and find anybody else? See, but the question that comes down to us really as a church is, is this. Are, are we really convinced that we have a cure? I'd ask you, do you really believe you have a cure for how the human life is supposed to be lived? Do you really be believe that you have the cure for sin and death? Because if you just write this down, I'd say this. This is really true. If the world is going to be convinced about Jesus, boy, you sure better get convinced about Jesus. Are you really convinced that he's the way? Are you really convinced that he is the answer? That he is the bridge separating people from eternal doom? I hope that you believe them. No, look what he says. In fact, you've got to be convinced because you notice, you look at what he says. He says, let's read it together, this first line. He says, I gave them the words you gave me, come on everybody, and they accepted them. You've got to accept those words. In fact, what's the scripture we read a moment ago? We try to persuade men, why? Because Christ's love compels us because we are what? We're convinced. Are you really convinced? If you are, are you compelled that he is the one who can rescue the world? You know, I saw this chart that made me so sad. This is just a chart. I don't know how well you can see that, but it was asking people. They did a survey of 1,600 Christians. What prevents you from sharing your faith? And of course, you know, the highest, 22% said fear. Now here they serve the creator of the universe, and they're afraid to tell somebody they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Fear. Lack of opportunity. No, it's not true. We're around people all the time. 17% said nothing. They just don't. Unequipped, lack of interest, fear of rejection, hostility. They're busy. People are going to hell and they're busy. Too shy, hard to bring up, pushy. What's the reason, do you think? And I just ask, what is it for you? What's holding you back? You know, listen, all of the ministries around here at North Point, we do as a way of saying to people, you can have peace with God. And when we talk about peace and mission and going out, it's so that the world would be convinced of Jesus. It's why we plan the things that we do. I, I just encourage you to go on our website and look at all of the opportunities and all of the things that we're doing. In fact, do you know just this year, we are planning five global peace trips all over the world because we want people to be convinced. In fact, take a look here. This is where we're going this coming year. If you're interested, join us. 
Because we want our neighbors to be convinced, but we want the world to be convinced. Because guys, listen, it's all about the people. It's all about the people. Take a look at the pictures of some of these people that we're ministering to, that we just want to know Jesus Christ. And you can be a part of that. If you just say, Jesus, I'll use words to make a difference. This is why, by the way, we encourage you all to go to our core classes, which are next weekend. We start with 101, which is all about belonging to the church and fellowship. 201, which is all about becoming Christ-like. Again, remember these purposes. Discipleship. 301, which is all about serving your neighbor and loving your neighbor and taking care of people. um, Then then mission, how God has called you out. You got to go. Guys, do you know what makes Christianity different than any other religion in the world? Most religions say that the purpose of religion is it's really just to escape the world. If you live in a certain way, someday you'll go to heaven. Or, you know, if you're a religious person, if you, if, if you live a certain way, someday you'll go back to the all soul. Or maybe you'll be reincarnated and you'll come back as something else. Escape is the whole point of religion. But Christianity is so different. It is so much more sweeping. Because Christianity says, listen to me, Christianity says God is not going to abandon the world. God's not just going to save people out of the world. No, here's what the scripture says. Someday the Lord the King will come and he will transform this planet. He will transform this world in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he's going to heal all the brokenness. He's going to heal the social brokenness. He's going to heal the psychological brokenness. He's going to heal the physical brokenness. He's going to heal the emotional brokenness, the relational brokenness. The, the question is, are you convinced? The earliest followers of Jesus were convinced. It says, after his suffering. Why? Because Jesus showed himself to these men and gave them many what? Convincing proofs. Which, by the way, leads to this next thing. And I want for you to write this down. It is the second part of our mission. And that is that the convinced people, those that are convinced, would become, we've been talking about this, missional people. Why? Because, my goodness, friend, what is it that repentance means? Repentance means that you conform yourself to God's will. You change the way you think. What is repentance? Repentance is I conform myself to God's mission. I adopt his purposes. And that is an awesome thing. My life is changed so that I can do what God has called me to do and be the person he's called me to be. I want to share another testimony with you. Buddy of mine by the name of Reuben, he comes up to me in the gym. In fact, here's a picture of Reuben. Take a look. He's a good looking guy. Look at him right there. There's Reuben. Isn't that a good one? That's not a great picture of him because of his mouth. Take a look at this guy. There he is right there. Isn't he a good-looking dude? Let's hear it for Reuben. Reuben's pretty cool. There he is. Reuben, you know, we work out at the same gym, so he comes up next to me and he starts, Pastor, I got to talk to you. You know, we hadn't had a conversation before. I got to talk to you. We spent the next half hour of him just telling me a story and the difference Jesus Christ has made in his life and how it's motivating him to want to love others and, and make a difference. And I just want you to hear from him. So I invited him to join us live and on stage. Kim's going to interview him and talk to him a little bit. You guys ready for this? All right, let's hear from Reuben. Reuben, come on out here, bud. Oh, oh, you're right there. <laughs> I like Kim because she's my height. All right. Good to see you, brother. All right, yeah. Oh, man, this is great. Reuben, thanks so much. I should, you know, 
let's swap. Let's have you in the center. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're the center man. If I put these on? That's it. You guys can hear us? It's good to see all of you. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> well, welcome, Ruben. We're so glad that, uh, man, you've said yes. Let's start with that. You said yes. Yeah. So let's kind of dig in. I'm going to ask you just a few questions and you just share, um, gosh, what God has done in your heart. So who who were you before you knew Jesus? Um, I was just a guy who loved life, um, loved experiences, um, and, uh, you know, just kind of everywhere with um, different beliefs. You know, I Mm -hmm. believed in zodiac signs Mm -hmm. and the horoscopes and... Mm -hmm. I believed in uh, karma. I believed in all these different things, you know, yeah. but I did know, I knew of God. My parents would share about God and yeah. um, about Jesus. That's as far as I was to knowing God. So yeah. I didn't know God personally yeah. then. So when did it change? When did you get introduced to like a personal Jesus? Um, it wasn't until a friend invited me mm. to church, his church, and I ended up going and I heard the preaching for the first time hmm. and I was like, wow, I go, if, if this is how preaching is on Sundays, I don't want to miss next Sunday. Yeah. And I started going and, uh, I've been wrestling with that. God has been chasing me. Oh, yeah. I've been running for like nine years. Hmm. Uh, my uncle shared the gospel with me. I wanted to know enough and I knew enough to know where I was with God mm-hmm. and, um, but I compromised. And so mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to do my thing still. And God let me, uh, he allowed me to run for nine years. Mm-hmm. He would like tap me on the shoulder sometimes in the midst of me partying and just, just all in that nightlife. And I remember one time God just told me, you know, if you were to die tonight, mm-hmm. you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why am I thinking about this right now? I'm in the midst <laughs> of me partying and having mm-hmm. the time of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, it's like they say, ignorance is a bliss, right? Mm-hmm. The more we don't know, the better. Because when you start to know, now you're like convicted and you feel um, like you're accountable now, Yeah. right? Yeah. So we can't say, I didn't know. And so that's where I didn't like it. Yeah, you know? that was the line, right? That was the line, oh, <laughs> you know, so yeah. Mm. What, but, had, what had to change for you? Nine years, that's a lot of the Lord chasing you down a bit, yeah? Just got tired of um, partying, mm. like I really party, like probably five days straight if I could. That's just the type of people that I met and I hung mm. out with. And so um, do the whole party thing, after hours, uh, get into stuff that, you know, um, I should have never got into. Yeah. Um, but not to say, you know, um, that God can't take anybody out of that, which he did for me. I just got tired. And I remember one day um, I was just hanging out with some people and I was just like smoking and we got some food. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I remember God saying, hey, um, say grace. I've never said grace in my life. My family's never done that. But mm-hmm. it was, I didn't find it odd to say grace. I was like, sure, why not? So I told my friends, like, hey, you guys mind before we eat? Can I say grace? And the reaction that they had was totally opposite from the way I accepted it. And I was like, mm-hmm. they didn't want to. And so I was like, okay, if you guys don't want to pray, then I will never ask you guys to pray. So that's when I decided to just stay away and see what God wants to do in my life. Mm-hmm. And so, and then that's how the stirring started to happen. Mm-hmm. Now I wanted to read the Bible. Now I started having these convictions um, and God just started working and he led me to this church 
where I heard the preaching, and I remember one day I was in an unequally yoked relationship, and my ex at the time was supportive, but I noticed that it started splitting us apart. Mm -hmm. And so we would go to church, to that church, she would go, but um, anyways, every time I see the altar call, people would get saved, and I so... I was moved by it and mm. I want like my spirit wanted to go, mm. but my flesh was warring mm. and it wouldn't allow me. And I don't know if it's just pride, just the things of the flesh, right? Just mm. uh, were warring against what I really wanted to do. And finally, um, she nugged on my shoulder one day and she said, you know what? You should go. Um, I know you want to do this and I support that. And I just looked at her and I kid you not that that was that just, I know she was in my life for that reason. God knows why people come across your path, right? And he used her just to do that, and I went down the aisle. I went to my friend who invited me. He was a deacon, and I just ran into his arms, and I just cried like a baby. Mm -hmm. And talk about freedom Mm -hmm. of having the fear to make that choice. Mm -hmm. It was just lifted off of me. I was yeah. like, I was, I, I was crying. I couldn't stop. But I was comforted at the same time knowing that I don't deserve this because compared to the way God looks at us, right? Like we're just sinners, born sinners. But then seeing that he sees us worthy, mm. I, I, I was just so grateful. Yeah. What, what would you say to someone that maybe something you just shared right now just hit hit them. Maybe it's a memory from the past, or maybe they're that person that's been running. What would you say to, to the life change that Jesus has done in your, in your life? You know, I think what the fear was that I'm going to fail, right? You, you feel like you need to come perfect, right? (laughs) And I learned after so like time went on, when I finally did it, I learned, you know what? You are going to fail because no one's perfect. So you are going to come to church and, and, and be sanctified and, and hear a word and be inspired. But it's life. The Christian walk is a marathon. You, there's no fast. There's, it's a daily thing. You, you, you pick up your cross. You deny yourself daily. Yeah. And you follow him. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Just want to give it up for Reuben here. Oh, my goodness. You know, there's so much more to his story, and we know we just give you guys a, just a glimpse, just a, a, a touch of the story, and I just want to encourage you guys. We, we're going to sit down this next week. We're going to talk midweek live, 12.15 on Wednesday. You can watch back, listen back on the podcast and also live, but you guys got to hear more about the way that the Lord is just changing this guy. He, he's just jumped into service, you guys. Like uh, Easter was the first time we met, yeah. and, uh, and he was just like, he brought his camera, and he just started snapping pictures. He is, he's just brings people in. And, uh, and so thank you so much for just sharing with everybody just, just a little bit of your story. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. I <laughs> <laughs> love you, man. Love you, bro. Good man. Man. Oh, you get a hug, too. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Guys, how do we do it? Now, how do we get out there and make a difference? As Jesus changes your life, what's the method? I, I would say this. Here's what we do. Ready? Write this down. You and I use the same methods that Jesus used. How about that? How about we just follow his example? We don't have to do anything but just do it the way that Jesus did it. So I start to look at the scripture and say, Lord, what did you do? What did your apostles do? And if you look at the scripture, you see that there are two methods that he taught 
or exemplified, two types of evangelism or two types of executing the mission. One of those ways is what I'd call, write this down, go and tell. Just write that down. Say it with me. Go and tell. Notice Mark chapter 16. Jesus said to them, go everywhere in the world and tell everyone the By the way, what is the good news? The good news or the gospel, gospel is a way of saying good news, it's simply this. There was a historical event that took place in real time. It was the birth of Jesus Christ. And he came and lived and changed the world and died on a cross for your sin and my sin. And he's changed my life. That's the gospel. The gospel is not a theology. It's an event. It's news. Read all about it. This thing happened, and it has changed my life. It's just that easy. And notice, he says, you need to go and tell people about it. Notice this scripture, Luke, in Luke's gospel, he says, go out into the highways and hedges. God wants you to tell people. But then there's another technique. It's not just go and tell, but there's another way of doing it, this mission, and it's called, write this down, come and see. And this is where you invite people to come and see the difference Jesus makes by bringing them to a place where he can meet them. Why? Because look, guys, that scripture that says go out into the highways and hedges, it says go out there but then compel the people to what? Come in that my house might be what? Filled. By the way, this idea of not just go and tell, but come and see, this is where you just walk up to somebody and it's like, man, Jesus Christ has made a difference in my life. Come with me to this church and see what God can do. All the disciples did this. Come and see this man. Do you know the first person to actually use the phrase come and see was actually Jesus himself? Did you know that? He was being questioned by his first potential followers and Jesus said to them, come and you will what? See. And in the same way after Philip followed Jesus, there was a guy named Nathaniel and Nathaniel began to raise questions about Jesus and Philip said to Nathaniel, notice it here. Let's read it. Come and see. And guys, by far the easiest way to reach people with the gospel to who's your one? Who's the one that you're going to go after? The easiest way to reach them is just to say to them, come and see the difference this has made for me. Come and see. And guys, I want to cast a vision today, together, that we as a church are a church, a group of people that do both. We go and tell. We proclaim the gospel. We announce we have the cure. By the way, guys, this is why, I gotta tell you, I need you, to, I need you to sign that budget ballot. And I'm asking you to approve the budget ballot that, that you see coming up on the screen because this is the reason we are increasing our budget. And I'm asking you to be a committed giver and a consistent tither. If you're not a consistent giver, I ask you to become a consistent giver. Why? Because we're gonna go and tell. We're planting a church out in Kerman. Again, what is it? Go in. We haven't even planted the church yet, and because people are going and telling, I mean, just take a look at, at these pictures of the things that are happening out there. 
And it's just because there are people that have started to say, I'm going to go and tell, and I'm going to try and reach somebody with the gospel. It's amazing. Yeah, you should clap for that. By the way, these guys stay on this picture for, for a minute. These are the first baptisms that were done in that tank out in Kerman. People to come to know Jesus. But it's all about families and relationships. That's why this year, go and tell, we're starting a church service in Spanish. This is Vision Weekend. We're going to start at one of our morning services, also hosting a Spanish-speaking church service so that you can invite friends and relatives that may not know English, but you can bring them to your church if they know Spanish. And they're going to be a part of our church. They're with us. In fact, if you want to be involved in the Espanol service, the Spanish-speaking service, you can come to a meeting with me for lunch after the 11 o'clock service today in P5. I'll be meeting with that group, and we're breaking out into teams and talking about everything that we're doing, but we're doing that today. Join us. Come. You don't have to sign up. Just be there. Come and see. Guys, do you remember the story where Jesus struck up a conversation over water? He was sitting by a well, and... He was, he, they, he was having refreshments with a woman. And as he was having a refreshment of water with the woman, he shared the gospel with her. And look what it says. It says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come on, everybody, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out out of town. They were coming to him. Come and see. That's a legitimate way to do it. And you can do that. In fact, I am so excited to announce that in the spring of this year, just following Easter, after we launch our church in Kerman, we're going to do that together, and after we launch our church in Spanish, the weeks after Easter, we're, I'm going to lead our church in a campaign that's going to transform our church campus, and that campaign is called, guess what? Take a look. Come and see. Because what we're going to do as a church is we are going to transform our campus to a place where spiritual small talk can happen every day of the week and you can say to somebody, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee and sit down and share the gospel and the difference he's made for you. Hey, just come and see. Just check it out. And where big change can happen in the lives of people. And I want it every day of the week, guys. I, in fact, we're going to be doing this construction project together, and the whole purpose of this is evangelism and fellowship. How did Jesus reach people? He went into their home. He broke bread with them. He spent time with them. He asked them to come and see. He, he taught, that's what we're going to do. And I just have a vision that out of our peace center, after an employment workshop, or after, after we have um, uh, done a, we've clothed somebody with clothing, that we can just say to them, hey, let, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Well, come over here with me and let's sit down together. Let me share with you something better than clothing. Let me tell you about Jesus. I have a dream of you're at work, and people are saying, where should we go get some coffee to have a business meeting? And you're saying, oh, I know where to go. And you bring them to the church campus. This is a church? Yeah. Why? Because remember, come on, listen guys, what are the purposes that we live for? We live for all of these purposes, but what is this campaign come and see about? It's really about this, and it's really about this, and I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. In fact, can I just show you? 
Let me share with you a bit of the dream. This is going to blow you away. I'm so excited about this. I'll share with some pictures with you as to what we're going to transform our campus into. Y'all ready? All right. Take a look at this. First of all, this is just an aerial view of the changing of the landscape. You see, part of the goal is to completely expand our fellowship area and completely expand our patio area so there's room for people to hang, get to know one another, enjoy company. Let me give you another view of this. You'll start to get a better look. Take a look at that. As you come in, now you notice that's right where our baptism pool is, and there's the worship center. And we're doubling the walkways and the ability to, you know, handle people and crowds. But I'd love to show you a, I'd love to show you a visual of this. Take a look at this. This is the amphitheater that's coming up here. There is an amphitheater that will be built that will seat about 220 or so people so that people can watch baptism. You don't have to go too far ahead of me with these pictures, okay? But people, will, people will, uh, will be able to come and watch baptisms and see them done. You can have services out there and Bible studies. It's just a place to come. Now, I want you to notice the baptismal pool is the very center of our campus. Why? Because baptism is about born again, is about life change. And it's the heart of our campus. And that's where we want to see people get baptized. And then now you can go ahead and then you come over and it's, let's say, during the week, you want to invite somebody to church. And there doesn't have to be a church service, but you just want to, you just want to take them to coffee. And now we've got this new uh, coffee shop that you can see here. It's a, that building that we're going to completely renovate. Take a look at this picture. You're going to come out of church and you're going to go left and walk through that door after church and you can go in and then when you get inside, check this out. You can enjoy some time with people. Take a look at this picture. There's a place to do um, services. We could put a band on that little stage. People can come in that don't want to go to church but they can sit and watch the service while drinking a cup of coffee if they want to, if they're scared or nervous. Here's another just neat picture that I like. Take a look at this, this one here and and then take a look. This is back behind it in between our offices. If you want to just meet outdoors with people, they'll, that fireplace goes both ways and we're going to have a place for small groups to meet. By the way, this particular space, you know, we have a lot of space on our campus. We have a ton of space devoted to public meetings where we talk to groups. This is going to provide us with one, two, three, four different spaces for groups to be meeting, people to gather together and not just listen but talk and have conversations. Now why? Because guys, that's the way you reach people. You reach people with words. You reach people with relationship. And so I'm asking you in the spring, right after Easter, and we launched these two churches, we're going to kick off this campaign, Come and See, and we'll give you more details about it, but we're going to have you participate in making a three-year commitment to help us make this happen, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to break ground, and then hopefully in a year or so, we're going to be going, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Why? Because like the woman, we want to say, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did is it possible this could be the Christ? Now, let me give you this third thing. Let me give you this third thing, then we'll be done. How do we do it? How do we do it? I just close with this point, that missional, convinced people need to become missional people, but missional people, they just need to live the way Jesus lived. Notice again, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, 
I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. And then he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of this world any more than I'm of this world. See, he's talking about you and me. And Jesus says, on the one hand, you must not be of the world. Why? Because there's no way people are going to believe if you're just of the world. If, you're just, if Christians are just as materialistic, if Christians are just as individualistic, if Christians are not generous with their money to advance the kingdom of God, if Christians conduct their lives and are dependent upon their circumstances for joy, you do nothing different with your money, with your career, with your life, with your family. Friends, if you're just as angry, if you're just as hostile than everybody else, no wonder nobody wants to know Jesus Christ if you're just as prejudiced toward people that aren't like you. But if we can live it the way that Jesus did and go and tell and invite people to come and see, boy. So what's he saying ultimately? Write this down. He's saying, I pray that my people would be not of the world, not of the world, write that down, but I've called you to be different. In fact, Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth, Lord. Your word is truth. No, not of the world. And also, write this down, not out of the world. In other words, God doesn't want you just to escape the world. Understand this. Christianity is not about escape. You're gonna just die and go to heaven. Christianity is about the king's gonna come again. <laughs> And no, there is a heaven, but there is a new heavens and a new earth. And we're supposed to be a part of God's mission to make that happen. And you're not supposed to want to just be out of the world. You're supposed to change the world. That's why, by the way, I've included in your, um, in your notes, I, I've included today this little card because the first way that you can be involved is prayer. Grab this card. I would invite every person here at North Point, to be a part of what we call our prayer force. And that is that you join the prayer team. By the way, you can just mark on your connect card today, your card, communication card, just mark prayer force. Just write that down in a little note there, and we'll get you on the team. You can pray for people's prayer needs every week. You can pray for the non-believers every week. You can pray for uh, people who are sick. You can pray for our weekend services. But notice these things. I have this on the dash of my car. Notice the things on the back here. Pray specifically every week for non-believers to encounter Jesus and to give their lives. Pray for weary believers to be strengthened for Christian living and serving God. Pray for hurting people to find faith, hope, and love despite their difficulty. Pray for authentic worship to happen, that it wouldn't just be religious. Pray for people to take spiritual steps and pray for grateful offerings that people would become givers so that we could advance the kingdom. By the way, I gotta tell you guys, notice this sweatshirt I'm wearing. We're selling these, by the way, if you want one. But this, this is actually the staff theme. I'm leading our staff this year in a theme. Here's what I've told our staff. This year, for everything that we do, all the plans that we make, there's one thing that is number one, and that is prayer. I said, prayer is our playbook. Prayer is what we do. We give ourselves to the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word of God. And I'm just calling on you to be in prayer. 
That's why I always invite you to early morning prayers so that you can pick up the habit. But gosh, guys, get involved. God doesn't want you to try and remove yourself. No, it's not of the world. It's not out of the world. But it is into the world. Write that down. It is into the world. Yeah, you're different, but you're involved. 